hashtag Tim and Sid. Of course, I go by the name of the kid. Famous. Wow. This here is the Tim and Sid Show. You are now tuned in, coast to coast, entertaining the masses, sports entertainment. Yeah. It's about to get started. Sit back, enjoy the show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Oh, it's going to be one of those kids. Tim and Sid for Thursday, mm-hmm. December 17th. Basement banter continues. You agree, Sidney? Um, truer words have never been spoken, McAuliffe. It's going to be one All of those right. shows. It's going to be one of those shows. Uh, he, he's Sid Sixero. I'm Tim McAuliffe. We are live on TV and radio as per usual. Great guest list, too, today. Uh, Nate Burleson, Good Morning Football, CBS Sports, will join us. Um, we'll talk about whether or not we actually think Lamar Jackson pooped his pants. Uh, we'll also long discussion too. <laughs> yes, um, it sounds like. J- how about this? Just as it sounded like we were getting close to an agreement in the National Hockey League, Chris Johnson posts a story that throws a curveball. Yeah, we'll see what Brian Burke is yeah. hearing. Uh, he'll join us uh, very soon. We'll have that conversation. Also, Kenny the Jet Smith will stop by. Uh, Giannis, James Harden, fans returning to arenas. There's plenty to chew on with Kenny. All that and more coming up. If that's not enough, Tim and Sid for you, McAuliffe. If mm-hmm. that's not enough, guess what? After the show, Tim and I, we're going to go upstairs, quickly grab something to eat, scarf it yeah. down, come back down here, and get you ready for a streamathon this evening with Mitch Marner of the Leafs and us. Festivities begin at 8 p.m. Eastern. It's called One Team United in association with Intact Insurance, in support of the Marner Assist Fund. You've got Mitch. You've got Tim and I. We're not that interesting. you got Doug Gilmore. you got there Jerry you go. D. Maybe a little Chase Claypool of the Pittsburgh Steelers drops by, plus plenty of others. Should be a fun night. MarnerAssistFund.com is where you can catch it. Again, 8 p.m. Eastern. Let's help out some great charities like Second Harvest and have some fun at the same time. I think we can raise a ton of money tonight. Uh, l- let's let's get after it, kids, as, as another host on television likes to say. That's coming up a bit later. But, Tim, you mentioned uh, – sorry, you want to add something else to the Marner thing? Because it's going to be fun tonight. It's going to be a good time. No, I was just going to say make sure you don't fracture your throat uh, like the Lion's Center did when you run upstairs and eat something quickly, okay? Just don't well, – fracture throats, okay? If by uh, – yeah, you know what happens to me often here in the, in the Sixero compound. If it does, though, I, I trust you can carry the evening. I trust you can carry – I'll just, I'll just support – I'll support you by writing things down and showing them. All right, so let's right. talking about uh, support here. Um, the NHL thought they were going to get some support here from Canada to do a Canadian division, Timmy, and and we've been we've been anticipating a deal between the players and the owners. Quite frankly, you want fifty six game season, you better have one quickly. Like Board of Governors votes soon, Player Association votes soon. Then right before the show, Chris Johnson of Sportsnet hits us with. Uh, I mean, I don't even think curveball is the right analogy. I think this is like a this Bomb. is a knuckler. This is a knuckler. Uh, so this this was posted 27 minutes ago, and it might be what's holding up the NHL season. I'll just read from the story, seeing as uh, we didn't have a lot of time to get ready for this. Uh, and I quote from the story: As the NHL continues to work through discussions with five different provincial health authorities about its plan to stage the upcoming season, a fallback option looms in the background. The possibility of playing entirely in the United States. Sources say that's the likely outcome if agreements can't be reached to make the all-Canadian division a reality for 2020-2021. While there is nothing concrete to indicate 
that the necessary government bodies won't eventually sign off on the NHL's plans. That has yet to happen as of late Thursday afternoon. That's today, kids. The NHL would prefer to have each of its seven Canadian teams based out of its own city and arena for a 56-game regular season. The travel would be limited within the country and would therefore be unaffected by any border issues. So this, as, as mentioned, posted 27 minutes ago to sportsnet.ca and that Twitter machine. Your, your initial reactions to all of this, Sid? Um, look, if, if I'm not shocked. Let me put it to you that way. I'm not shocked that five health authorities across Canada uh, might be telling the NHL different things. I'm not shocked that when numbers are going in a direction we haven't seen before with this, with this virus, that the National Hockey League, who quite frankly should have locked this down a while ago but didn't, but now they're here, are in a situation where things got worse. And now maybe an all-Canadian division and Canada in general isn't as welcoming as some people thought. And I know the National Hockey League, that gets $5 billion from a Canadian company and has some, some of the best fans in the business, believes they normally can do things that maybe other companies can't. They had a couple bubbles in Canada, worked out. But times have changed. And I am not at all surprised if this happens, because none of this is official, because talks are still going on with the five health uh, agencies across Canada. But if it happens, I'm not stunned. Mark Shapiro, line one. Masai Ujiri, line one. Impact TFC Whitecaps, lines one, two, and three. I know the NHL believes their standing in this country is unlike any other. And I, I'm not going to fight that but, 99 times out of 100. But when it comes to this moment in time, I, I'm not going to disagree with what health officials are telling them but, if this is how it plays out. But unlike any one of those other things that you name, they're not asking to cross any borders. The only borders Correct. they're asking to cross are provincial borders. And let's not, let's not forget that they're going to be tested a lot. The players who won't On their be. dime. Yeah, on their dime. Yeah. Yeah, they'll be so tested he, a lot. Here's, here's the real conversation. And, and, and maybe this is too real for some, but I feel like I need to say it. And before I do, I want to say that I believe that public health and public safety is paramount. Like, without a doubt in my mind, the most important thing, as you and I have said uh, repeatedly since early March, when we didn't turn off this show and just kept going through this entire mess that we have called 2020, I believe the doctors that have been studying this their whole lives over the dumb guy from high school that keeps posting memes that he thinks make him look smart, okay? I got the doctors, okay? And I believe in public health. That's my stance. The one thing I don't understand is how I can read reports that the Canadian Border Services Agency, based on their own information, estimate that 80% of the 6.5 million arrivals into Canada between March 30th and November 12th were exempt from the 14-day quarantine because they were deemed essential. That's, that's over 5 million people crossing the border without tests, without tests or quarantines. And yet athletes who are tested every day or nearly is somehow more of a risk 
than the other five million. Like I get it, honestly. Pilots, truck drivers, um, people getting our essentials every day. We need taking them. food from one place to your face without like a doubt. Stuff. Yes, we need it. I understand it. I get it. But five million people aren't even tested, aren't even quarantined, and yet the athletes are the ones who pose the threat here. Like, here's my point. Here's my point. I really hope that the government isn't playing optics with our health. Like, that government officials know that this looks bad if they allow professional sports to go on here. So they won't let it happen and pray that nobody focuses on the other 700 or 1,000, 700,000 or so that come in every month if you do the math on those 5 million over those months with no twist in quarantine. Because that kind of hypocrisy, Sid, is what undermines what we're all attempting to do. And we know that because of shows like ours, the sports get a lot more publicity than the other story that I just mentioned about the Canadian border services. With essential services coming over the border. Right. Essential, and I had doctors tell yeah. me that that's insane. Even essential work? five million. Yes. That the number I'm was not, five I'm, million. I'm not debating not, that's not a big number. That is a big number. I, I not, agree with you 100%. Not essential workers. I think we can all agree we need essential workers because we need food in our face. Yes. Without a doubt. Yeah. Essential but workers. The number's are one thing. five million. It's a lot. Listen, Tim, as as I said to you on air at times and off, uh, the turnstile that was our airports for months is something I will speak on at length at a later date. There was a lot going on here in terms of people coming right. in and out of the country. There was a lot. When we were told in February, uh, there's no real chance of, of, of infection spreading through the country. That's a quote I still have on my phone from you-know-who. But in terms of the National Hockey League... Um, I just hope it's Tim, not let's, optics. Let, like, I agree with It's all optics. Public. No, enough. Enough. It's all optics. Thank you. All of it. All of it. It's all optics. You, have, you had nine countries fly in Alberta last weekend, representing Sweden and Russia and the United States and the Czech Republic and all. So that's going to be okay. But Alberta Health is going to, and I don't know if it's Alberta Health. because They're in a bubble. They're in a bubble. Who cares if they're in a bubble? It got through the bubble in a day in Red Deer. A bubble. There's your bubble right here. It busted through in Red Deer without blinking. I didn't even mean for that to be funny. It was kind of funny. And I acknowledge that. Right. It's, that's what I don't like. If, if Alberta Health, and I don't know if Alberta Health is holding this up. And Tim, for the record, we, this could happen still. It's not like CJ in the report said it's it's dead. He didn't say that. He said there are talks. The problem is, Tim, if the National Hockey League wants 56 games because they have been not very organized on this, they don't have time to play ball with five different health agencies, and they're realizing 56 games is not going to happen. That's the issue. Mm -hmm. And, And as we've seen in Ontario, Tim, with the Ontario Hockey League, if they don't want to give you a decision, like they didn't give the OHL, they, and they said, we'll wait on this, they really don't want them to play. Just say, we'll wait on it. Let, let's see how things go. 
and you force the league because you're delaying, which is all that's happening here with the NHL. You force the league then to make their own decision and take the NHL clubs out of Canada into the States because you don't tell them no, but you just delay it because you know they need to get in games. That's what I think is really going on here. No health agency wants to mess with the NHL like that. As, as, as fair as it is, because there's not, not a ton of sports happening across this country, they still don't want to mess with NHL teams like that. So they're not going to tell them no, but someone's going to tell CJ, we don't have time to wait on him anymore. So we got to pull the Canadian teams if we want 56 games. I think that's what's going on here. I just, it bugs me when it comes down to optics. and That's politics. That's politics. Yeah. Unfortunately, I just, I just, I'm with you, but it's, it's politics. Yeah, like proactive as opposed to reactive is like something of the past. (laughs) Like, anyways, (laughs) well, not during my lifetime. I've never seen a proactive. uh, Anyway, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna zip it at that point. Uh, Zip it. I want I want to say ahead of time. And Kate uh, Brian Burke's coming up next. I hope he doesn't zip it. Burke always has stuff to say. Um, I still am hoping for this Canadian division. Obviously, Chris Johnston gave us a lot to think about there. Um, Selfishly. But the other side of this is if they play in the States, is there a Canadian division? Like, why would you just go back to your old divisions? Why? Like, what? what, How does that make sense? How does that make sense to have the Leafs fly from New York to Arizona? Because people got a boner for it. Not in the States. With all due respect to how we see Canadian teams up here, no no one cares down there that Canadian teams are playing hockey. Maybe Austin Matthews in Arizona. Maybe. No, but I'm saying Maybe. that a lot of Canadian fans were getting really excited about a Canadian division. Yeah. And I think the NHL took notice. Do you got the Rogers sound effect handy, Tim? Because I know some other people who were really excited about Canadian division. Wow. I did, and, I did and, not and see And basically your Canadian teams become a hub. Like, there is the trickle down from this. It, I, we have too many topics that I want to get to in this opening block. But the trickle down from that... Is new so are is there still a Canadian division? Are the players from Canadian teams playing in a hub? Will the tax benefits of whatever playing in the states affords these guys offset the idea of playing in a hub? Like there's so oh. Tim, how many how many players know this is a possibility? We're talking to Mitch Martyr tonight. Yeah. The goal is to is to raise money for, for needy families at this time of year and for and for months ahead. Like that's the point of tonight. If we get a moment I'd right. like to ask Mitch. <laughs> I don't well, know if he knows. We, we do know the Raptors are playing in Tampa, and apparently they're playing in front of fans in Tampa. Like, Anyways, preseason game, last one, comes against Miami um, tomorrow before tipping off their new season next Wednesday in Tampa. Uh, Kyle Lowry hasn't played in the Raptors' first two preseason games. Uh, he's been taking some personal time to get ready for uh, his ninth season with the team. Lowry was asked about the changes to the team this offseason and what what he thinks about them. This is basically the first that we have heard from Kyle Lowry. We're definitely different. You know, we're completely different. Uh, Aaron is really good. He's solid, big. Uh, Chris Boucher is going to have to step up. Um, it's going to be a lot more small ball, I believe. Uh, we kind of did that in a bubble. Um, but uh, we're a different team. Um, I think we have an opportunity to surprise some people, but at the end of the day, you still got to go out there and lace them up and, and, and put the ball, you know, in the hole and, and play defense. But, you know, like I said, this is a long season. Um, it's a little bit of a short and, you know, short and long season. But um, it's not about one or two games. It's about, you know, the, the pace yourself for the, the, the long haul. 
We heard a lot of clips and a lot of quotes and read through them on the internet today from Kyle Lowry, who was heard from first. What's what's the most pressing to you? Um, I I, I mean, it to me, it's in terms of it's just his attitude. If the Raptors are going to have any level of success this year, Tim, and I expect them to, I expect them to, and I assume you do as well. Bless you. Um, Thank you. Your mic was off, but I did see you sneeze. Sorry. Bless you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for turning it off. I just, um, I still think the Raptors can do damage in this conference, and Kyle's going to be a big reason. My concern, and the fact, Tim, he's already taken a couple of days to himself, and you brought it up to Devlin a couple of days ago here, the odometer on Kyle Lowry is getting up there. Not, Not because of age specifically, but because of how he plays. How many charges he takes, how much sacrifice he makes physically. Yeah. And if, if the Raptors are going to be a top four team in the East, which I don't think is out of the question, assuming Harden stays out of it, um, he's going to be a big piece. So I just, I just liked seeing him today making bad jokes about golf and stuff. Like it was typical Kyle. Like right. I didn't mind it. I didn't mind right. it. And uh, I, I would, I, it's clearly, it's on Kyle. It's always been on Kyle from a leadership, but Kyle's going to have to draw other guys in, right? Like yep. Siakam, I, Siakam, his focus also is to get better, but Siakam's not the new guy anymore. You know, Pascal's yeah. after going to take a bit well, more Freddie of a leadership too. role. Freddie's got Freddie that too. same bulldog Freddie's mentality. Always that, yeah. He's he's always kind of had that. You're right, and he's always kind of had it. So he, that backcourt, from a leadership standpoint, find me a better backcourt in the NBA Eastern Conference right, right now. Honestly, right. I just I just think he's going to be so important. I worry about him physically. I, I think if they just gave him the time to, to don't fly to Charlotte, take care of yourself. That was smart. That was the good thing right. to do. So that to me is the priority with Kyle. Just keep him, keep him wrapped in bubble wrap because he's, you know, he's had some years on him with this team. He sacrificed a lot physically, and I don't know how much he has left. Hopefully he has something left. I think he does. Uh, Kenny the Smith, top of next hour. Brian Burke's going to join us next. This is going to be fun. But I want to get some soccer news in here because yesterday yes. off air, I said to Sid, uh, I feel like we haven't been giving enough love to football. Not today, botch. Incredible achievement for Canada's Lou Marsh Award winner or co-award winner, Alfonso Davies, who was named to the FIFA World Eleven, essentially made up of the best players each position on planet Earth, voted on by thousands of players worldwide. Canada's Kadisha Buchanan uh, has been named on the woman's side before. That came back in 2015. Sid, how massive is this achievement? It's, it's, it's right up there. It's like you have Canada making the World Cup in '86, and like it's it's almost a tie between Gold Cup with Craig Forrest's team down in the states, and bronze medals, and bronze medals for our women's team, and this this Mm -hmm. individual achievement is unheard of, not just from Canada but from our region. An American player has never done this. A Mexican player has never done this, and to have a kid playing out of position. And Alfonso Davies cracked that list over guys like Andrew Robertson of Liverpool and some amazing left backs around the world is one of the greatest. And you and, and I can already hear people on Twitter, well, if that, this is one of the greatest accomplishments in Canadian soccer history. That's pathetic. Save it. This kid, is he was born on another planet, and he's ours, and he's unbelievable. The fact that he did this on the same team with Lewandowski and Messi and Ronaldo and Kimmich and, and guys of that stature, Sergio Ramos, this is unbelievable. 
from an individual standpoint, I mean, no disrespect to Christine Sinclair and a lot of other people who've done amazing things for this country. This is right now the bar. What he did today in that vote, voted on by his peers, thousands of soccer players around the world, emphasize that. This is one of the greatest moments in Canadian soccer history. And I don't care if you want to rip me on it on Twitter and poo-poo it. It's the truth, and it's amazing. So Christine Sinclair obviously uh, has accomplished a ton. Uh, The depth of talent and the depth of the talent pool on the men's side is obviously a little bit deeper than the women's side. And just to quantify what Sid is saying for those who might not follow the game, not only is Davies the first man from North America to make the team, okay? So put that in there. He already mentioned it. Not an American, not a, not a Mexican, a Canadian. He's the third ever from outside Europe and South America. So throw Asia into That's the unbelievable. mix. That's unbelievable. And he is, he is the third, and Australia and Ocean, like, it is unbelievable. He's the third youngest player ever to be named to the FIFA 11, turned 20 last month. Like, those are first from North America, third ever from outside Europe or South America, third youngest ever to be named to the FIFA 11. This, if anything, deserves... I don't, I don't want to keep Brian Burke waiting. However, the, I, I need you to tell me what you saw when Robert Lewandowski was named Men's FIFA Player of the Year because he was up against Ronaldo and Messi, and it's not often that one of those two guys don't win it. So all three were on remotes. There was no Ballon d'Or this year, so that's the big award. But this award mm-hmm. today kind of replaced it. Robin Lewandowski won of Poland. He had 55 goals in 47 games for Bayern Munich. He was unbelievable. Ronaldo didn't win. And when you went tight on his shot, he looked like a four-year-old who had his candy taken away from him. (laughs) He's my guy. Ronaldo's my guy. I can't defend this. He's won five World Players of the Year. You can't let Lewandowski had 55 goals in 47 games. He won every trophy in the books. And you got to act like that. I will defend Ronaldo. He's better than Messi. But I can't defend that reaction. I can't. It's it's what makes him great. It's like it's almost uh, it. You know that fuels him, right? Yeah, that if 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 you were to look in his soul, that's basically what you see when anything doesn't go to one. <laughs> that's basically all right. Uh, Nate Burleson, Kenny Smith. This is a great guest list today. Coming up next, Brian Burke. Could the Canadian division play in the United States of America? Damn. Could the Canadian division Damn. not exist? We'll discuss it next, right here on Tim and Sid, Sportsnet Radio and TV. Congratulations, Fonzie. Sander writes in and says, proactive and reactive are starting to swirl together like muddy, melting ice. Frankie writes in and says, World Juniors and Red Deer is stupid, but it's a bubble. Essential workers are essential workers, regardless of how many they are. The NHL is a private affair, and if they want to play in home arenas and travel around... Canadian division bubble up or bugger off at Tim and Sid on Twitter. And uh, Graham writes in and says, if the Canadian division plays in the United States, is it really a Canadian division asking for a friend? Won't have to worry about it because they won't be playing a Canadian division in the United States. So you want to, doesn't really matter. Uh, Chris Johnson, again, within the last hour, suggesting that Canadian teams taking on Canadian teams in Canada might not fly. Ken Campbell of the hockey news just tweeted, he reached out to the Canada Public Health Agency, was told they may have a response by tonight. 
to the NHL's proposal to play games in Canada this season. So there's a lot of moving parts right now. Brian Burke joining us. Burke, great to talk to you. Your uh, your initial reaction to CJ's report was what? Which is his report? NHL could play all games in U.S. if all Canadian division doesn't work because they're having trouble getting the health agencies on board in this country. Oh, okay. So my quick reaction is, why am I not surprised? But um, that would be a shame. I think it would be... I wouldn't want to see a Canadian division in perpetuity, but I think it would be exciting for a year. And that would be a shame if all the games were played south of the border. And I know this from having spoken to you, and we just dropped something on you that dropped about, I don't know, 40 minutes ago. So uh, if you weren't by your phone or you weren't on TV, you might not have seen it. Um, But I do know from having talked to you that you are like us, and health and safety are paramount and all of the testing that these players are going through, you would hope that we'd be able to keep it safe in this country as well if they were going to do it. Yeah, I think this is all about player and organizational discipline. And if you look at it at the end, the baseball seemed to get it right by the end. They had a real rocky start, but when they said to the team, look, we go from the dressing room to the bus to the plane, you go home. You don't stop at bars, you don't stop at McDonald's, you go home. Once they got the discipline into the travel party, the COVID results were pretty good. And I think we can do that, whether they do hubs or just have teams travel. You just It's a different mindset now. It's not, you know, like a mindset where if you're young players, you go out to, you go to the Roxy when you're in Vancouver. Well, now you, you're not going to the Roxy. You're going back to the hotel after the game. They'll have a team meal. It's going to be a much more sedate lifestyle for until the vaccine gets distributed widely. But that's the fact of the matter. And if you want to play, the discipline has to accompany it. And the reason football is having so much trouble is because their traveling parties are so big. They travel with over 100 people. We only travel with 45. And they seemingly aren't getting it yet. Like, I mean, we just heard the story of the quarterbacks in Houston going out and sitting together at a a restaurant. Like, it's just, anyways. Yeah, Uh, well, and if I were their teammates, I'd, I'd, I'd raise holy hell. Uh, as would I, Berkey. What does this do? What does this do to a fifty-six game season? Like, are you are you getting the feeling with 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 every day that passes and in the news like this, where it seems like there's more work to be done here, fifty-six games is not looking realistic. No, it's not. And and at some point, I don't know what the number is where it's not a real season. But for example, thirty-six games to me, that's not a real season. That's you can't award a cup. And I've been concerned, and I know why it's taken so so long, but there's not much runway here. So if you say, and apparently the TV people want to be done by July 15th, let's make it July 22nd, because that's when the Olympics start. And let's say we put it back-to-back in each round of the playoffs. So you need 12 days for the Stanley Cup final. So if you start the 22nd, now you're down on July 10th. 12 days for the conference final. Now you're down on June 28th. 12 days now, and all of a sudden, that season has to end by pretty close to May 30th or 31st. I don't even know how many days there are in 30 days. And it's 31 in May, right? Yeah. So you've got to finish a regular season. If you start January 15th and you can play, if you play every other day, play 15, day, 15 games in a month, that's really hard to do. But if you play every, every, every other day, well, that's in three months, that's 45 games. So they're running out of runway here. They've got to get the season scheduled and they've got to start playing in January, or they're going to play a game, a number of games that cannot be considered meaningful in my view. 
Are there any owners, Brian, that um, are hoping that this doesn't go through, that might be getting in the way because they're worried about the bottom line? Yes. I don't think they're getting in the way, though, because Gary Gary has offered a financing package. They already had a credit facility that was over a billion dollars. But Gary's put together another credit facility where they can pay all of their player obligations without touching their own dough. Because Gary wants two things. He wants them to get through the season without a distressed sale, and he wants them to be able to play the payers, pay the players what they agreed to pay them. So they've, they've got comfort there. So I don't think anyone would get in the way. But certainly their brothers, there are a couple owners who have told me they'd rather not play. Which I think is Brian, a big mistake, by the way. I think we have to play. What's the main, I mean, aside from money, what do you think the biggest reason is why you have to play? Well, I think, first off, people are, are very sanguine about the return of hockey in Canada. And they're comfortable and confident that everyone's going to come back in Canada. And I say it's going to be slower than they think, but I agree with them. I'm not worried about Canada. I'm not worried about the response. I can't wait to let my daughters go to a game at Scotiabank Arena. But it's going to be a lot tougher in the States. We've got unemployment over 20% in some of those states, uh, no relief in sight, and the, the, the vaccine is not going to get to the general public in time to help this season at all, at all, like maybe playoffs. But nothing in April or May is going to get to the general public, in my view, that will allow them to return in large numbers to games. Maybe I'm, I pray I'm wrong on that. So it's that. But also people find other things to do. It's that simple. I mean, I told you guys this. I was watching Bundesliga soccer. I would rather <laughs> stick a sharp pencil in my eye than watch a soccer match. Oh, it wasn't that bad. I'm sure. I hear you. Well, you're a rugby guy, though. You're, you're an internationally cultured sports person. You didn't really yeah. take to, to soccer like that? No. Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> I like the one-word answer, by the way. I, I'm not going to oh, sure. lie. I, I, I felt a little icky about the World Juniors, uh, just like I have about college football and college hockey, and college basketball in the States. Uh, To be fair, uh, at least the World Juniors, they're playing inside the bubble once they're in that bubble. Have you felt differently about amateur athletics playing in all this, Brian? No. No? I got this this the other day. Someone said, oh, these NCAA athletes, you know, they're slaving away. They don't make any money, and they're running the risk of COVID. I'm like, my four years of playing NCAA one, Division One hockey were four of the best years of my life, and I didn't even get any money my first year. And if the revenue programs, and none of them are making money this year, but if you look at Michigan where football is a big revenue program, that's how they fund their Title IX sports. That's how they fund their women's sports and their men's sports that aren't revenue producing. No one keeps that money. They pay the coaches a lot, but that money goes right back into the general fund. So, no, I don't feel sorry for NCAA athletes ever. And, and the notion that they, it seems to me when they've had enough positive cases, they've canceled the games. It seems to me they're putting safety first. And I don't feel icky about any of it. The World Junior, that money goes back to women's hockey and youth hockey all over the planet. It's not one person making money. It's not an NHL owner. I heard someone say that. They're, oh, these kids are not getting paid anything and all that money. Well, all that money goes for a good use. There's also a lot of people making a pretty penny off of all of that, too. Like, the coaches are getting paid, the presidents are getting paid, the ADs are getting paid, the president of Canada Hockey gets paid a pretty penny, all of the, yeah, the broad, like, I mean, there's a lot of people also making money off of that, isn't there? Yes, but but that's, right. you, how are you going to do it without an organization that runs it? That's, that's silly, to be honest with you, yeah. Tim. That's silly, saying, okay, 
Hockey Canada, it's okay if they keep the money, but they can't pay Scott Salmon. Well, how are they going to run it if they don't pay people? Jesus Murphy. I get that they have to pay people, but there are. it's not just the athletes paying uh, for other sports. They're also professionals, grown-ass individuals who make money off of this as well. Yeah, like, and, and that, I just don't want to paint one side and not paint the other. And that tournament has turned a lot of 19-year-olds who played for nothing into millionaires. That is correct. And, no there's, and half of those teams also don't become millionaires. Yeah, so when you go to sleep tonight and you're crying for someone, don't cry for these athletes. Think of a, okay. a more worthy a more worthy person to have your pity. Okay. Well, well let's go let's go down that road. Um, how many and Berkey, I'm, I'm I'm legitimately asking on uh, how many employees if the NHL teams and the hockey teams were allowed to play in Canada would be needed in rinks around Canada to also at at the minimum, the bare minimum to put those games on? Like how, okay. What's the rough number, do you think? I'd say technical, and, and uh, my building guys are going to kill me if I get this wrong. Harvey Jones is going to call me. Um, I'd say technically. So no concessions, no beer, no fans, just the technical people, the Zamboni drivers, the lighting guys, and all that. I'd say roughly 30. The training staffs, another 15 for each team, medical and training staffs, and then your players. And then you have, you know, five coaches, the GM, assistant GM. What's that add up to? You, you could do this. You could play this in a hub with pretty good security. A bubble is different. A bubble is where you have no contact. But you could right. take a hub city and go from the hotel. doesn't have to be walking distance like it was in Edmonton and Toronto. You could go from the hotel on a sanitized bus, get off, go through a sanitizing thing, you know, hand station, temperature check, whatever you want. Go into a freshly sanitized dressing room, play a game, and go out. Just like they did in the bubble, only it wouldn't be perfect. You get onto a bus, you go back to your hotel. I think they can pull this off without a bubble. They might have a couple positive tests. It's not going to be as good as a bubble, but I think they can hub these guys pretty safely. Brian Burke here on Tim and Sid. Berkey, I mean, I it, it didn't mention in CJ's story, and I, I forgive me, I don't want to put you on the spot because it, it just kind of broke, but... I'm under the assumption players are in on this in terms of information. I am under the assumption most Canadian pros on Canadian teams knew this was a possibility. Um, mm-hmm. If they didn't, how much of an issue does the NHL now kind of have? Well, if you're a Canadian player, you're going to play all your games in the States. I assume that means that, that you get some time back. You have to come back and see your family at some point. That's going to be an issue for some guys. Like, I can't even when, – when you just told me that, I'm thinking, okay, so the Calgary Flames have to play all their games on the road in the U.S. and all the other Canadian teams do too. So when do they get to go home? And my guess is they would do like a hub schedule like they're talking about where you'd come in and play seven games in 14 nights and then go home. And there's two things that come with that. One, the compressed schedule. Two, Season ticket holders, and again, there won't be fans of these games, but even fans watching on TV, I don't want seven games and seven nights that I have to go to at Scotiabank Arena as a season ticket holder. Now, mind you, again, this is a unique season. But to me, um, I don't know the logistics of that. When do the Calgary Flames get yeah. to go home? Yeah. And do they have no, nobody knows the logistics. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. So but many, that, that, would so be a, that would be a devastating result because I think people are genuinely excited about a Canadian division. I think I think we all can agree on that, and I also think like 
Um, do they adopt a city the way the Toronto Raptors did with Tampa and all of them adopt a different city? Like, do they play in a hub? All of those things would have to be figured out for those just joining us. Uh, Chris Johnson with a report that suggests that if all else fails, the Canadian teams might have to play in the U.S. Ken Campbell, though, did counter from the Hockey News by saying that he just reached out to the Canada Public Health Agency and was told they may have a response by tonight uh, to the NHL's proposal to play games in Canada this season. So this all could be a moot point uh, by the end of the day, according to uh, Ken Campbell's report. Berkey, at, at, at the end of the day, health is the most important thing for everybody. But there is there, there has been a political uh, kind of cloud in the air of all of this. And regardless of what country you're in, it exists. I mean, you, you've worked in numerous Canadian hockey markets. What would the backlash be from some parts of, of the provinces if it's painted as the health officials just told the NHL, we just can't do this? Is there, in this climate, much political backlash to doing that, do you think, or is it minimal at best? Well, you got to follow the science. I mean, as badly right. as I want to play and as badly as I want to play in Canada, I have to trust the health authorities if they say it can't be done. Like, it's obvious you've got varying standards. If you look around the United States where, where states have different standards and the results have been cataclysmic in some of those states or they refuse to enforce any type of social distancing or mask wearing. I mean, they say now that the Harley event in Sturgis, South Dakota, was a super spreader event. As many as 225,000 cases originated there. They're pointing to one Boston Tech conference that, that led to 300,000 cases. That was so, I mean... This is, it's not worth, like, as much as I want to play, I want the health authorities to assure me that my players are safe first. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be at risk here. I'm going to be in the studio. It's easy for me to say, hey, we got to play. But if if it's not safe, then they shouldn't play. I I have no problem with that. Uh, That's one that we can all agree on. Uh, Always appreciate you bringing the honesty uh, and always appreciate you bringing your opinion to the table. Thanks for doing this, Bert. It's not like you to whine like that, Tim. <laughs> well, you know I what know I wanted. I, I, I wish. I also wish we had time because I think we both could agree on junior hockey, and I might cry a few tears if a guy just lost his last year of eligibility in oh, the WHL. I, that, that, or the, I'll cry too. Yeah, that's awful. That's, the, that's we got to find a way to play there too. Yeah, and or give him another year of I don't know because then you're screwing Something. the kids that were just drafted. Like it's. It's going to be yeah, I'm, ugly. I'm, I'll cry. I'll cry along with you on that. All right. Yeah. So we can here, share here. our empathy on that one. The other one, uh, we can agree to disagree on. Uh, thanks for no, doing just, this. As you always, just admit you were wrong, and we'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> and that, my friends, it. is Burke's law. <laughs> thanks, Burke. Uh, uh, by the way, currently five on Amazon's bestseller list in the uh, in the sports category. Burke's law: A life in hockey is doing very, very well. I read it when he went to Mordor and destroyed the ring. It was the best chapter of the book. It was fantastic. <laughs> I'll, I'll feel a lot better about the World Juniors when they're over. I'll feel a lot better about the NCAA when I find out what happened to the young man in Florida. Like all, all of these things, they just, yeah. I just keep thinking like what, and I'll feel a lot better. I will. And, and then I'll admit that I was wrong. I got one. It's a great point. We got a break. Can okay. I follow up with one thing when we come back? This, yeah, do this it. thing's just moving. Uh, this yeah. is Tim and Sid. Good to see you today. We're live on TV and radio.
Tim and Sid. Uh, Six Arrow, you asked for some time. I am uh, like the moderator of a debate, offering up the time for you. Which which debate? <laughs> some debates are easier than others. I'm not walking um, down that road. No, don't. Don't have to anymore. Um, however this plays out, Tim, we are going to hear the NHL's version of it. 100% guaranteed. And, and in, we are going to get their side of this for sure, to quote Bob Cole. And I don't know how flattering it's going to be because Bruce Garriak of the Ottawa Sun just tweeted, all seven Canadian hockey teams were told about the possibility of all Canadian teams having to go to the States today. Not yesterday, not earlier this week, not last week, not two weeks ago. Today. Think of the dominoes that now have to fall for every hockey team in Canada. And I know there's way bigger issues in the world. I understand that. Save the tweet. I understand. Hotels. Catering. How much family come down? How many employees come down from the team? Where do you set up? Where do you call home? And how many come on the road? Ask Masai what that's like. Guys are still looking for permanent homes in Tampa for the Raptors. They're still looking. There's a bit of competition there. So, again, I don't, from a health standpoint, I can't sit here and debate looking at the numbers. This is a wrong move. What I can say, when it came to the Jays specifically, because that was down to the wire when they were told they had to get out, Mm -hmm. is I do feel a little sympathy towards these clubs who thought A and B. Now, Tim and I are in a basement. We all got inconvenience this year. It happened to everybody. And some got it way worse than that. And I understand it. But keep in mind, NHL clubs and their players, if the clubs didn't know, I guarantee you the players didn't know, found out today when we thought Board of Governor votes were going to happen tomorrow or Saturday, PA votes were going to happen tomorrow or Saturday, today that dropped. Wow. Wow. I feel like the caveats that we laid out at the start of the show about how both of us believe in the safety of society ahead of athletics. And like, I feel, I feel like there should be a starting point for all this and that people would know where our starting point is if they watched or listened enough. But every time we have these conversations, I feel like we need to add it in because a genius and an idiot on Twitter look the same. They go side by side, and sometimes they get distracted by the idiots instead of the geniuses. The idiots are showing themselves more and more every day, Tim. More and more every day. Uh, Michael writes in and about what you were saying and says, what about the 14-day self-quarantine if you cross the border? There's no way Canadian teams and their players could visit family if they're playing in the States. 14 days coming home? No chance. And that's what we're talking about here. Those, these are all the logistics. So you got to bring your family down with you. Uh, Frank says, really good point Berkey made about the bubble not having a having to be a strict bubble, but more of a hub, and that would work, I think. Uh, it seems so strange after last season in Edmonton and Toronto working so well to not at least have a central location. Yeah, I, I mean, it just what's the appetite on the player side for either? Because that's that's what right. we're talking about here, like and the coaches. <laughs> and the assistants and everyone else. Go back and watch Tampa win that Stanley Cup in Edmonton. Watch the exact moment it ended. 
the euphoria on the bench wasn't just about winning the cup. The euphoria was, we're going home. That was at play as well. They don't want to do that again. Uh, Brian writes in and says, if it's not safe to play in Canada, according to our health officials who have been amazing during this, so the choice is to move it to the dumpster fire that is the United States of America, that sounds smart. If the NHL can't play in Canada, cancel the season. Woo, that's a sobering final thought, eh? (laughs) (laughs) But it's reality, and sometimes you can't avoid reality, as we know. Um, Um, Go ahead, final thought, Tim. Go ahead, no, I'm I'm empty. Go ahead. I was going to say, this is messed up. (laughs) That's what I was going to say. All right, it's thank never you. Simple, Roberto. right? Like everyone wants no, it to be it simple, and it's not it simple. It never no. is simple, and we no. wish it were simple, and you could tie it up, and it's not. It's not. Here, here, Timmy. I know a closing line when I when I hear it. Kenny the Jet Smith. Next, we'll talk NBA. Nate Burleson. Next, we'll talk Week 15 in the NFL. We have a streamathon with Mitch Marner tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern. Tim and I, we're going to raise some money. We got a lot coming up here this evening here on Tim and Sid. Time for 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 Tim and Sid. Oh, yeah. It's time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McCallum and Sid Sexero. Thank you very much, Sheepdogs. Back here for another hour. Nate Burleson and Kenny Smith set to join us. Uh, the stories of the day seem to come from the NHL. And we had hoped that it might have been an announcement and a schedule. Instead, Chris Johnson broke a story that sources told him as the NHL continued to work through discussions with five different provincial uh, provincial health authorities about its plan to stage the upcoming season, a fallback option loomed in the background, the possibility of having to play entirely in the United States of America. So that spreads like wildfire from CJ, Ken Campbell from the Hockey News, Sid, follows up with, I just reached out to the Canada Public Health Agency and was told they may have a response by tonight on the That'll NHL's proposal to play That'll games in Canada this season. And Bruce Garriock, all seven Canadian teams were informed of this possibility of playing in the United States during a conference call today with the league. So they just found out. And... The amazing thing about all this to me is how much fatigue there is from the viewers, the listeners, um, because the report that Anthony Duclair signed with the Panthers got way more likes than any of that. (laughs) It's a great story, Anthony Duclair. Representing himself, Tim. No agent, Mm -hmm. Anthony Duclair. Great great season. He had a better first half of that season, let's be fair, than the back half of that season for the Ottawa Senators. But, uh, you know, of all the free agents still sitting there, I didn't think Anthony Duclair... Uh, even before votes by the Board of Governors and the PA were taken on return to play, would sign on. But uh, clearly, the Panthers think this is going to happen, so they sign. We, we, don't have, we don't have any uh, reported terms on that, do we, Tim? I didn't see any. I didn't notice any. But no. uh, hopefully he's good. Hopefully Anthony Duclair got what he wanted. Congratulations to Anthony. And, uh, you, know, it's not the worst, you know, it's not the worst place for him. He plays in pro hockey. It's not like a huge, glaring spotlight right in Florida. Let's, let's tell it like it is. Um, you know, the, the Raptors are one of the biggest pro teams in Florida right now. They're probably, they probably beat the Panthers in popularity. So he can do his thing. Not a ton of pressure. Good luck to you, Anthony. All the best to you. Uh, and here's the problem with all of the stuff. Eric Engels tweeted out, um, with the subtweet on Chris Johnson's initial report saying, 
uh, believe players were preparing, expecting to vote on a return to play as early as tomorrow. Spoke with a couple on Canadian teams who wouldn't be for this at all and don't believe the bulk of Canadian players, excuse me, the bulk of players on Canadian teams would be either. I mean, listen, that's that's kind of what the issue is becoming for me. It's not it's not that Health Canada has problems with it. It's not like, it's not as if I'm surprised at a lack of border to border transportation here by teams. I, I'm not none of that stuns me. Right. But the players are going to have to sign off on this return to play as well. It's not just the board of governors and the owners. So where are they at? How shocked are they? Yeah. Are they pissed? They were pissed already at the ask to reopen the CBA. Guaranteed. So where does now this isn't on the NHL, but it's a different level of pissed. So where do they stand on that? What how many discussions with guys who are married or have girlfriends are happening tonight or have partners who need to, to talk yeah. about this and figure out what the next like the Raptors, I can't it's so interesting you bring like we glossed over how the Raptors lives were turned on its head here. Yeah. We glossed over it. Oh, okay, the Zoom chat's up from Tampa. There's Nick Nurse. There's OG. There's Fred. You know, okay, Kyle's going to have a couple games up. Some guys are still finding places to live. They do not know when they're going to see their families again. Right. That's not an exaggeration. And, and I guarantee you these conversations are happening with a lot of Canadian hockey players, specifically ones who have families and significant others tonight. And, will and that's a serious them. thing. And, if, and, yeah. and it could affect no the matter, vote is where I'm going with it. Could affect the vote. And could. no matter how much money you make, that affects you. Yeah. Look, I know I, a lot of people will respond with, the, wow, they get compensated greatly to do it. It doesn't mean it won't affect. They could get compensated greatly, and it could still affect them. But, it, but uh, it's, it's the, not just the comp- – oh, sorry, Timmy, go ahead. Go ahead. Nope. I was going to come in with a uh, side note. Sven, Be- uh, Sven Bershi of the Canucks, okay? He was part of the quarantine before – the bubble. He was there for like two days, staring in the ceiling with a newborn at home, saying, this is nuts. I'm not doing this. Sven Bershi needs time to prove what some people think he is, which is a full-time NHLer. And he could not, he could not deal with the quarantine for a day. It's fine. He couldn't deal with the quarantine for a day, and he's like, I'm out of here. The guys who have already been through that bubble know exactly what that is. Even if it's guy, even if it seems like the Leafs who were there for a blink of an eye, they know what that is. So you're going to ask him to go through this other thing, which could be longer and more ridiculous? It's it, a lot of question marks, man. A lot of question marks for those players. Never mind the owners, for the players. Uh, Pierre Lebrun, one year, $1.7 million for Anthony Duclair in Florida. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I interrupted you with my phone is because um, I have Trevor Bauer posting a video on YouTube saying, I'm not welcome in Toronto and wearing a Toronto Blue Jays hat. He's showing a bunch. I'm not welcome. He's saying I'm not welcome in Toronto, like period or question mark? Question mark. And then showing a bunch of tweets and Instagrams saying that he should sign in Toronto. Okay. So he's just trolling Jay's fans. seconds. Here. Yeah, he's, well, he's as, as he's trolled right. every fan. Yeah. Yeah, maybe Jay's fans will realize that at some point. Kenny the Jet Smith uh, <laughs> joining us on the line. <laughs> Sorry, it's true. Kenny the Jet Smith, how you doing, man? How are things? I know I'm welcome in Toronto. You are. You're welcome <laughs> all over the place in Toronto. 
You are you yeah, you have man, an honorary honorary passport in Toronto. Kenny, let me ask you something. If you were a basketball yeah. fan and you were in the state of Florida and someone said, Do you want to go to a preseason Raptors game in Tampa tomorrow night? Would you go? I'll go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially in Tampa. Because they don't get an opportunity to see any kind of NBA basketball. So uh without question, if I was in Tampa. Uh but if I'm in Tampa, you can't even go anyway. <laughs> so no one can go. <laughs> so I know they're, no, no, they're, they're allowing. Yeah, they're, they're allowing three thousand. Oh, I missed it. They're allowing. Yeah, you yeah. To go in Between three and four thousand, oh, okay. they're letting in. Yeah, and, and and the Raptors are allowed to in Tampa allowed to sell a few tickets. That's why I brought up. Forgive me. Oh my gosh, that's news to me. It's going to be. Oh, it'll be three thousand people in because that's the only place that you could see NBA basketball. No one else is getting in any other arenas around the country. So, for sure. I would drive from Miami and go see it. Like, Let me go check this out. For those who don't know, it looks like the fans will have to stay at least 30 feet away from the court, but there will be, uh, as we saw in football games, even though it's an open-air stadium, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have had fans in there. Miami has a lot of, lot of places have had fans in there. Kenny, we're, we're oh, underway. Man, we're, we're underway in the preseason, and it's exciting. NBA action is fantastic. Maybe I'm dating myself. What, what grabbed your attention the most? Because there is a lot of juice right now. But I, I want to know what grabbed your attention the most as we got back underway and all this stuff hit the fan. I just always look at the rookies. Like, I don't even pay attention to the vets because I've been a vet before in this setting. And some days I don't, I'm like, I don't feel like being here. I'm just going to go through the motions and, and really just get a real lather. And then I'm going to just be ready for the season. And then some days I'm like, you know what? I'm going to just show this young guy who I am. And I'm going to play hard. And I'm going to go at him. But so I always just pay attention to the rookies. And so, you know, I want to see Edwards. I want to see Ball. I want to see all of the guys who are, you know, coming into this league and trying to make a name for themselves. And I just want to see their aggression levels. Uh, I know what LeBron does. You know what I mean? I know what, I know what Kyle Lowry does. You know, I, I want to see what, you know, these guys are going to do. And I'm also, I look at style of play on trade. So I'm looking, okay, well, how's Houston, how Houston going to play now? You know, how is, um, you know, Washington going to play now? You know, with all of the different moves that they made. How are even the Clippers going to play with a new coach? So I look at style of play and young players. That's it. You mentioned Kenny. You mentioned rookies. We'll get to we'll get to the, the the meaty NBA stuff here in a second. But Malachi Flynn's a guard here in Toronto, and and very quickly, um, he's garnering some discussion here. Not just for what he's done on the court in, the, in this brief preseason, but off of it as well. He's he's come in serious and shown a, a bit of skills defensively. When you played, how long did you wait before judging a first year teammate of yours? Like, what did you have to see before you convinced yourself, okay, this is who they are? Um, the second, the second go round. First go round, two things happen for rookies. Like, one, no one knows who they are, and then, and they don't know anyone, and then they have trouble, or no one knows who they are and they're not scouted, and then all the things that they could do work. But then after game 20, you're on the scouting report now. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay, 
what what can you really do now that you're on the scouting report? And that's when I start judging rookies after about game 20 because, you know, no one knows. Like, no, no one knows, like, should I go under the screen on Ball? Should I go under the screen on Edwards? Should I go under the screen on Malachi? Or should I double him when he comes off the screen because he's not really a ball? You don't know because college basketball, you're, when you make it to the NBA, and this is just honest, the guys who make it to the NBA are just clearly better than guys in college. It has nothing to do. But when you get to the NBA, you're just – everyone's just as good as you. Like, there are no nights off. Like, I remember, <laughs> I remember playing the Dallas Mavericks one year when I was with the Rockets. We were champion, going for championship years, and we, we, we're about 25 games over 500. And I talked into Akeem Olajuwon before the game. And he's like, why are you getting stretched out so much? We're playing the Mavericks. Like, you're, we're good. <laughs> like, I said, no, I'm not. And he's like, what do you mean? I said, I got to guard Jason Kidd. And he's like, all right, guards. It doesn't matter. On a, on a bad team, there's great guards. On a bad team, there's no good big men. I'm going to have a field day. You stretch out. <laughs> Fantastic. So it's, it's so different. Like when you get to the NBA, and like Malachi and those guys are gone every night. There's somebody good, you know. So that's the difference. And then you get to see who they really are. And we know that well in Toronto. I mean, even the the Raptors in year one beat that 72 and 10 Bulls team uh, any given night. Listen, here in Toronto, the the Giannis pipe dream, Kenny, is over. Um, when do we? <laughs> I started it, I think. <laughs> <laughs> you did help it along. You poured kerosene no, yeah, on it a little you, bit, Kenny. You, you poured you, a little yeah. kerosene. Oh, no, I was you, throwing kerosene. I was trying to throw every 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 inflammable thing on it. <laughs> I wanted y'all to get so hyped. Right. Let me give you another chance. Can we start okay. pumping the Kawhi Returns pipe dream, or is that taking it a little bit it's too coming. far? It's coming. It's <laughs> coming. Let's no, go, Kenny. Let's I, go. I, I, Make I it happen. No, he, he, he's not coming. He's not. He's not. You got to develop. You got to develop somebody because he's not coming back. Because it, he, he would have never left. Like, how do you leave? Like, how do you leave a championship? This is what I always, uh, I always say about like guys like Kawhi, um, Kevin Durant, uh, Kyrie a little bit, not as much maybe, but it makes them happy. So it's something else. Because you can't say, like, KD can't go, well, I left Golden State because we didn't win. Yeah, we didn't win because you got hurt. <laughs> like, we probably would have won a championship and you didn't get hurt. <laughs> like, you know, Kawhi, yeah, I'm, I'm leaving to go to L.A., the Clippers, because I want to win. No, you just won a championship. Like, you, you, you're not. So winning doesn't always make those guys happy. And so that's why it's hard to dictate, you know, where they'll go. I, I just like guys that, like LeBron, he's predictable. In a, in a sense, even though he leaves and he's left a lot, he's like, I can't win here, like anymore, and I'm gonna get somebody where I can win. I'm kind of run my course, but the other guys, you know, they they won and they leave. You know, that's that's what's shocking all the time with me. Uh, ditto, Kenny the Jet Smith here on Tim and Sid. Why, uh, Kenny, along those lines, why does Giannis say I can win here in Milwaukee? Why does he say that? Because he believes he's the best player in the world. He thinks that he's you, better than LeBron. Do you, do you think he's the best player in the world? Do you think? 
do you think he is? He's the best. It's hard to judge only because he plays in the East. You know, they're, you know, when you play in the Eastern Conference in the last three, four years, you know, you can't really judge how great a player is. And, and, and I say that because I'm trying to, as I'm talking to you, look up the whole, like you're going to play the Knicks, what, how many times last year? Four? Depending you're on the division, five. Four. Usually five, I believe. You're going to play five. Washington, you know, four or five. You're going to play, um, you know, all these teams that are so uh, under 500. You know, I'm sorry. I, I'll give it to you right now. You're going to play Cleveland five, five, four or five times, Atlanta last year four or five times, Detroit four or five times, the Knicks right. four or five times, Chicago four or five times, Charlotte four or five times, Washington <laughs> and Ole- that's not – you're getting 28 wins if you're just a good player and a good team. So you're going to get 28. You're going to go, what, 28 and 5 with those guys? So are you really a 70-60 win team? I'm not sure. Are you really the best player? He is right there without question. But it, argue, it does debate the argument on the competition in the Eastern Conference over the last two years. Mm-hmm. Kenny Smith joining us here on Tim and Sid. All right, I want to get to James Harden because I know you know the market in Houston really well. And I also know that you're going to be a GM one day. So put, my, put the GM hat on for just a, a, a split second. You are our guy, Raphael Stone. What do you do with James Harden? I, I, I have a heart-to-heart conversation. I, I'm, not, I'm not going to trade anyone because they're unhappy. I just not me. Like, I'm not going to – like, this is a billion-dollar business. It's not a million dollars. It's a B, billion. You know, and with, with the Canadian money, whatever it is, it's B. So still it, B. It's like, it's, More Bs. It's still a B. Right. And so I can't move you because you're unhappy. You might be happy tomorrow. Happiness is a temporary state of mind. And so I can't move you because of that. I have to move you because I don't think I could win anymore. And that's what I would tell him. I'm like, if I don't think I can win with you, you're out of here, bro. Don't worry about it. I'll get you out. But if I think I'm going to win with you, you're not going anywhere until your contract's over. Because this is a billion-dollar business, and you're part of the billion-dollar asset. I'm going to keep trying to make things better around you. That's the conversation I would have with him. If an offer came on my table that I felt was going to make me better, I would trade him. I would not trade him because he's unhappy. Do you think it's important for the entire league that some team at some point does exactly what you say and doesn't trade a player because they're unhappy? Because the modus operandi has not been that for now many years in this league. And this guy's sitting there with nearly $100 million left on the deal. Like, how, how important is it for the league in general, for Milwaukee specifically, that this chain of events, someone break that chain and tell someone making that much money, no, you are not going to complain your way into a situation you want. How important is that? Everyone, every, everyone doesn't have the cojones to do that. Like, Correct. Yeah, correct. I, you know, they don't. They just don't. They're scared that he's going to do something. But, see, I know players. I know the buttons to push with players. I know I've been one. So I know that I know that I know the button to push to James Harden when he's not playing hard enough and he's getting his 
butt handed to him in a game, I know how to walk in the locker room and say something to him. <laughs> because there's something I've done it with Akeem. Like he wanted to be traded one year to the Lakers, and I was like, "Yo, Akeem leaves, man. We we gonna be terrible." I'm like, "I'm he cannot. I'm not taking with Vlade and all of these guys that they're talking about to bring in for Akeem." I was like pushing buttons. He was like, he was not playing as hard as could, and I just started pushing buttons. And then, fortunately, he 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 changes. Oh, we're losing Kenny lost. the Jet Smith, unfortunately. Oh, no. Can you hear me? All right, got you. I got you back. Go got ahead, you. Kenny. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, yeah. I was part of the process. I wasn't the process of why he stayed. But you have to push buttons and know that these guys are super competitors. You know? So they don't really – even when they're not playing hard or harder they could because they don't want to be there, they don't want to get – they don't want to be on YouTube every day. You know what I mean? <laughs> they don't want that. So – you got to push the right buttons, but you got to stand. You got to make a stand as an organization. You know, I'm not letting a billion dollar asset walk out my door just because they're unhappy. This is not, you're not my girlfriend. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you're unhappy. I right, buy. All right. Okay. You know what? You're, you're the reason why we're here. No, we can't do that. This is a business. I almost forgot about the Akeem to Los Angeles rumors. And I, I, as you said it, I Googled it and I just see the quote that pops up and it says, there are a lot of girls in LA when Akeem Olajuwon teased a move to the Lakers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, listen, I was sitting there, man. I was like, yo, we cannot let this happen. Vernon was like, man, let him go. If he wants to go, he don't want to be. I'm like, look, bro, I done been in Sacramento. We don't want this to be back. Like, no, no, we can't let him leave, man. We can't, man. And, he, and Vernon, I never forget, he was fighting with me. He's like, man, if the guy doesn't want to play with us, that's disrespectful. No, it's not. He's mad at ownership. He's not mad at us. you only been here a year. I've only been here three weeks. Boy, he can't be mad at me. <laughs> well, he's Mad Max. Mad Max is always mad. No doubt. So I was like, no, no, no. We're gonna talk him. We're gonna talk him off that ledge, <laughs> and we did. <laughs> we talked him off of it. Um, two championships later. <laughs> two championships later. Where are the rings, Kenny? No Where are your rings? Where are your championship rings? My first ring I gave to my dad, nice. and my second ring I gave to my brother. Two guys who helped me get there. Nice. Rep- Larry will be so replica somewhere. Larry will be replica no, somewhere in the I'm house, not- like. Nothing like that? No, really? No. no. Uh, everyone knows I won a championship. Like, if I walk around, they're like, oh, yeah, he won a championship. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 whatever. Yeah, if I won, I do the same thing. Not a big deal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have a World yeah, Cup yeah. trophy but, here. I didn't win. Them, it doesn't matter to me. Yeah, it doesn't but, matter to me. But for them, yeah, for them to wear it. Oh, for them, it's amazing. Every day, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's an amazing feeling because they're the guys who got me there. They were shoveling snow for me while I was, you know, shooting layups on the, on the courts of New York. Like, they were the ones doing that. Taught me on how to shoot a jump shot. No, well, they would have. I didn't do that. They taught me. So, children, children, give me the That's money. Awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> um, and Ken uh, – sorry, Timmy, go ahead. Forgive me. I just, um, I just wanted – I'm just going to jump in with one note before goodbye. Apparently, uh, 3,800 people sold out – not sold out, but 3,800 people took all the tickets for the Raptors opener in Tampa next Wednesday – against the Pelicans, sold out in 20 minutes. 3,800 tickets That's in a global point. pandemic. Sold out in 20 minutes down in Tampa to watch the Raptors season opener next Wednesday. Yeah. Wow. 
You know what? We've been, I'm in California. Everything is closed. Like, we can't go to restaurants. We got to order out. You telling me if they said, hey, you can go to a Laker game and you can get your own, and no one's going to be six feet near you. I'm like, oh, I'm there with a mask on without question. I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm there. Good yeah, point. give me one. I got to take the vaccine in my foot. I'll do it. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kenny, always great catching up with you. Thanks for doing this, man. Thanks, Kenny. All right, man, guys. Good talking to you. There is uh, Kenny the Jet Smith, one of the best in the business. Also from Sam Amick. Uh, Quoting a source, the NBA has launched an investigation into the Jerry West Clippers allegations surrounding the Kawhi Leonard acquisition that was detailed in a TMZ report earlier this Mm -hmm. week. And that TMZ report was that a man was paid money to funnel it to Uncle Dennis. So they're saying they're investigating what the hell that means. Who knows? It'll be forgotten of in three weeks. That's what it's we're investigating means for 90 percent of those stories. You're going to forget about it in in four weeks, and we'll move on with our day. A great headline on TMZ. They are amazing. Say what you will about TMZ. They are (laughs) are amazing headlines. They're very good. Jerry West sued. Man claims he helped Clippers get Kawhi. You owe me 2.5 mil. (laughs) I like the little kind of side quote at the end. You owe me this. Uh, We owe you a Nate Burleson segment because it's Mm -hmm. Thursday here on Tim. It said week 15 the NFL begins tonight. Uh, he'll join us after the break. We'll talk about the weekend to come, but still, we'll, we'll hit on the story of the weekend number 14 in the NFL involving one Lamar Jackson. Get to the nitty-gritty of that. It's Tim and Sid, live on TV and radio. Welcome back to Tim and Sid Time now for Inside the Lines, brought to you by Sports Interaction, Canada's odds maker, 19 plus. Play responsibly. Sydney, week 15, National Football League. Let's go. Here's some of the, Let's go. Here are some of the key matchups. All right. Have a listen. A pair of Saturday games. Saturday games, kids. Two of them. Bills, six point favorites in Denver. Will clinch the AFC East with a win. Do they get it? Easy cover for the Bills. Move on. Saturday night, Packers, eight and a half point favorites over the Panthers in what should be a chilly Lambeau Field. Uh, Panthers cover. Sunday, the Patriots, two-and-a-half-point underdogs in Miami. Patriots cover. Hate Miami. Seattle favored by five-and-a-half in Washington. In Washington. Uh, oh, Alex Smith probably not playing. Seattle covers. Kansas City and New Orleans, game of the weekend. KC favored by three-and-a-half. That's it? Three, real? Is that correct? Three and a, yeah. KC, my holy God. We'll KC, That'll change depending on who the quarterback is, too. Correct. I think that'll, you'll see some line movement there. And the Sunday Nighter sees the Giants as five-point underdogs at home to the Browns. Browns and Giants should be interesting. Nate Burleson of uh, Good Morning Football and CBS Sports Journey. There's a lot going on, Nate, but I'm still – I mean, speaking of the Browns, I want to go back to the Monday Nighter. And I want to have this conversation as, at the group of us. Why did everyone assume Lamar had diarrhea? Like, um, immediately. There was no benefit of the doubt. There was nothing. It was just one Zabruder film after another about how, like, why can't we trust each other not to have diarrhea in 2020? Why? It's, 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 it's such a, a weird assumption that we all make collectively. Um, you know, it, it, was the, it was the number one thought. It, 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 there, was, there, there was no number two. Uh, well, if you think about it from Lamar's standpoint. Um, yeah. but, but no, it, I, Will Blackman, you know, former NFL player, he put a tweet out there. He said, um, Lamar, 
I know what it's like to run to the locker room when you have cramps, and I'm glad you got the footage. He's like, that ain't no I got cramps shuffle. That that's that uh that bubble guts shuffle. So <laughs> Lamar Lamar has come out and said that okay. it is it wasn't that. But um I've been there before. I don't want to get too graphic, but I've been in the middle of a game. It's the second quarter. I'm like, man, when is halftime gonna come around, man? Cause <laughs> this cause me, I used to eat weird combinations. Like I was never that dude that was like, my nutrition my nutritionist said that I should have uh the, the egg whites with, with the with the baked chicken. No, I was the guy that I wake up whatever I felt that day, I'm like all right, uh, omelet and spaghetti sounds about right today. Yeah, I'll be good. <laughs> and sometimes it just didn't sit well. <laughs> okay, but you never like you never pulled an old lineman. No, oh no, 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 no. Or you just no. you just let it go. No, no, that's Let not it go. Wait, hold on, Tim. Hold on. You're letting us. You're both letting us into a different world here. Nate, you played. Tim, you covered, so to speak. Um, <laughs> so that's that. That is not that. That's a rather common old line move, Nate. That we never really talk about. They just kind of. Look, they're they're at work. Things happen. Like that, frozen, that me? let just, it go. They, they yeah, just like frozen, just like <laughs> Dumb and Dumber when they were on the scooter. Just go, man. Just go. Uh, I I I I I've witnessed. I have witnessed a guy piss all over himself on the field. I have witnessed that. <laughs> and I remember going into a locker room one game, and I'm like, bro, like, why you got so much mud on your pants? And then I remember like. We were playing on field turf today, and he was just like, "That ain't no mud, Nate." I was like, "Bro, you know oh no, you know what? we're not friends anymore." We, uh, we are, he's, I, but you know, linemen are different; they move differently. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Or their bat, their bow movements are different. So I think. <laughs> they do move. Yes. They do move. But hold on a second here. There's like even after COVID, we we attempted to time the amount of time spent okay in the locker room for Lamar Jackson. It was 43 minutes. Like, even if the run to the locker room was two minutes each way, we're still talking about 39 minutes on the pooper. I mean, your your legs fall asleep after 10 minutes. Like, there's yeah. that's a lot of time, if indeed it was the deuce-deuce. No, no, no. See, see, I, I, I think it, it still could be the, the, the deuce because if, if you're going to the locker room one, you get in the locker room and you're the only one in there. Have you ever had your house to, this, to yourself and had to use the bathroom? You take all the time in the world. It's like the most peaceful moment of your day. So he was in there by himself initially, and then you had to take your pads off. And some people like to get butt naked when they go to the restroom. So Never maybe understood he was that. one of those well, people. Close then, game, you know, fourth quarter. What are we talking I, about? I, I, I think he was on the phone just chilling, just <laughs> scrolling. He was but like, why? Oh, man, but why did an assistant, Nate, what I don't understand is why – if, he, if it was if it was an actual washroom incident, why did an assistant run after him? Yeah, I don't know, man. I have no idea. He was in there chilling. He probably was scrolling through social media like, is that Keisha from fifth grade? Man, she done grew up. Oh, snap. Get your shine on, Keisha. Get your shine on, Keisha. Look at her. You've changed. You have changed. Good for you. Um, permit. Okay. Any other last-second uh, uh, dumps uh, on this on this angle? Or no, nah, no, nah, I don't want to talk about this crap anymore. <laughs> the professional and always on point. Aaron Simmons said. Um, all right, Nate. I'm. Two teams were in first in their conferences before the week began last week, and then they weren't in the Steelers and the Saints. Who are you more concerned about? I'm more concerned about the Saints. 
Um, and it's uh, mainly because the, the same reasons we fall in love or fell in love with Taysom Hill are the same reasons you might be a little bit concerned. When he's a quarterback in that pocket and he can throw the ball, this isn't the issue. But when he leaves the pocket, he turns into this very athletic runner. He's almost like a running back. And you can't be that. Like, when was the last time you seen Taysom Hill just slide with his feet consistently? No, he has this mindset because he's a playmaker. When he leaves the pocket, one, I'm going to keep making a play and try to fight for every yard. But two, I might even dip my shoulder and run through you for a couple of extra yards. That's not how he should play because he's had some fumbles in very crucial moments. Now, as far as Drew Brees, I'm no doctor, but I, I, I did break a rib before. And I remember thinking to myself, man, this is some of the worst pain ever. Now, I went to the sideline. The trainer stuck his arm underneath my pads and I couldn't get all of my breath out. And he was like, yeah, something's clicking. You definitely broke your rib. And I asked him right there on the spot. I said, do you think I can hurt it anymore? And he's like, nah. So I put a, a, a rib protector on. I went right back out to play later. Now, I'm an idiot and I'm a receiver, so I can kind of avoid being hit. The rest of the game, I made sure I was out of the fray when I caught a ball. I dove on the ground or I went out of bounds. When you're a quarterback, I don't care how well you protect somebody's ribs. It's 11 of them things. 11 ribs? Like, that's crazy. Like, you know, it's one thing to have a couple of ribs or maybe some cartilage separated. But for you to have fractured or messed up 11 ribs, it's only going to take one hit. Now, the Saints offensive line have been doing a good job of keeping Drew Brees clean. But what about that one hit where somebody is going to slam him on the ground, shove their shoulder pad right in, the rib, right in his rib cage? That right there is the most concerning thing for me because this isn't no spring chicken that can go fight through every single injury. This is Drew Brees, man. I mean, you know what it's like. We're all uh, men of a certain age. You mess around and, and, and hit your shin on the corner of the bed, you're going to be limping around for two days. <laughs> Drew Brees got 11 broken ribs, and they're talking about Oh, he was able to practice this week. That's fine. Okay, you can throw the ball during 707 with nobody pressuring you. But what happens when the pocket collapses and guys collapse on you? I think I think the Saints, man, there's a lot of reason for concern. It almost looks like what's shaping up to be what we all have seen or what we have seen out of the Saints for the last few years. Um, Saints are the best team in the regular season. They're well-respected. But then mm -hmm. right around the playoffs, something tragic happens. And I think this could be it. And I don't want this to sound like I'm hating the Saints. For some reason, New Orleans Saints fans feel like I hate them. I'm just being honest and speaking from my gut. Uh, I took the ire of Saints fans on the weekend because I tweeted out how good Jalen Hurts was doing against them. And it's just. And they got I, mad. Oh, mad. Real mad. Just be um, honest. Yeah. Some, someone, someone told me that they slept with my wife. Um, all right. So. And she she said you, no, didn't, you didn't tell me that story, Mikael. <laughs> I've heard of uh, trolling, but that's a different level. Eleven, hey, man, I know. Hey, I got people in New Orleans. If you want me to send the ghost to them, <laughs> we'll hey. talk after. We'll talk. Yeah. We'll talk after. <laughs> um, I was gonna say something that I really should. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Eleven broken ribs and a punctured lung. For those who don't know, in yeah. Drew Brees, not only did people say that, oh, he's practicing. Drew Brees said, like, I feel good. I'm Drew Brees himself said, I feel good, I'm close. It, Nate, you told us uh, like a story about when you went to see a doctor after your career was yeah. over, and yeah. he told you about all of the injuries that you suffered that you didn't know. You, If you could talk to Drew Brees right now, would you tell him, like, as a dude that's gone through it, you understand the competitive nature, you understand you want to get back out there as soon as possible, especially with Drew getting up in age and this being a good team, wanting to get back out there. Like, would you tell him something different about thinking about 11 broken ribs and a punctured lung? If this was a neck, a back, 
a hip, something significant with your knee, I would say, just sit out, bro. Just sit out. And if this was your last season, you did it the right way. Um, but because this is your ribs, and for, for what I believe, um, I don't know for sure, after it's as healed up as it can be, I don't think he can do much more damage. I mean, damn, he broke 11 of them. Like, you, you know, you, what you got, 20, 24, 22 or something like that? Like, I feel like when it comes to his ribs, he's not going to be able to damage them much more. So if that's the case, if you feel like you're good with fighting through some excruciating pain during the game, then go out there. Because these are Drew Brees last years. So let's be very clear. Like, if he was 23, 24, I'm like, yo, you got a lot of football left. Don't trip, man. Just chalk it up. You had a good season. I'll see you next year. Drew Brees, every last game could be his last game. So I think I, I would answer him a little bit differently. Drew Brees knows better than me about what he's going to see when he go, goes and, and meets that doctor. That unbiased doctor has nothing to do with the New Orleans Saints or the, the Chargers, the team that drafted him. He, he knows when he's going to look up at that screen, those x-rays, and he's like, who the hell body is that? Um, Mr. Breeze, that's yours. No, I've, I've never had uh, fractures on my ankles. And, and what's that over there by my shoulder? Not the one I injured, but the other one. Oh, that one separated too, sure. You sure you didn't have a small fracture? It sure does look like there's calcification around your ankles. Like, I had that. I had that, like, mind-blowing moment where I'm sitting back like, am I getting pumped right now? How, how can I have five major injuries and I didn't know they were this significant? And I had to take a step back and be like, all right, this is what I signed up for. So with all that said, I think Drew Brees wants to be out there, um, and it's not a toughness thing. I, I do, I do truly believe he's sitting there looking at the hourglass, and those last few granules of sand are falling through, and he's like, "Time is almost out." So I'm either going to have to sit back and watch my team fall apart without me, or step on the field and fight through some pain. You think? I mean, 11, 11 broken ribs—that's a rib for every defender you face. Oh my gosh. Um, do you think he does this if if the incident in the preseason didn't take place concerning the national anthem and his teammates? Is that still at play here, or am I reaching? I, I don't think so. I, I don't think okay. I don't think uh, one has has anything to do with the other. Um, I think he's he's doing it because one, he knows how much time is left. Whether he believes he can play next year, year after, whatever, but he does know every game could be his last game at this age. It, it only takes one bad hit. Forget about the ribs. We're just talking anything. Um, and then, two, Drew Brees is a, a motivator, a master motivator. And one of the reasons why I wanted to play with him, aside from him being a fantastic passer and one of the, the best quarterbacks of all time, one of the main reasons is I used to listen to his pregame speeches when I was uh, playing. And I would listen to him just to motivate myself. And I would imagine myself with my eyes closed, sitting in the New Orleans Saints jersey, getting ready for a game. And he would say stuff that would touch your spirit. So you can't be a guy that can speak to your teammates in a way that, you know, you, you, you have them ready to run through a wall. He can't be in there in the pregame like, hey, yo, 60 minutes. That's all we got. I know you're battered. I know you're bruised. I know you're bleeding. I know you're crying. We've been through the mountaintop and back. We've been down to the bottom and we're here. You got to fight through it. I need everything you got for the next 60 minutes. He can't do that and say that every single game. And then have a moment where he got to fight through some pain and not do it. That's the worst thing about being a leader is that when you call out your squad, they hold you to those same words when you're out. I've been there. I done fought through injuries when I know I shouldn't be out on the field because I'm looking at my teammates looking at me like, hey, yo, Nate, weren't you the one giving a very poetic speech about fighting through pain? <laughs> 
and then pain is only in the mind, and it's over mind over matter. And you was hitting us with all the cliches and, and quotes that you done pulled off a line in every movie you watch. Wasn't that you, Mr. Uh, Denzel? Remember the Titans, Nate Burleson? Wasn't that you? <laughs> I'm gonna need you to get back a little bit earlier, fam. I know they said three weeks, but I'm gonna need you back in two. So that's the pressure that Drew Brees is feeling right now. Nate Burleson joining us here on Tim and Sid. Uh, we've got to talk about this because we were on the subject of injuries. Lions center Frank Ragnow played uh, with a fractured throat. What does he that mean? fractured his throat. <clears> throat> And continued and finished the game. Um, I'm, I'm almost scared. Like, I've seen some pretty nasty stuff, and I stopped playing after high school. Do I even ask you the most gruesome thing you've seen or heard of, and where does this rank? First of all, I don't even know how you fracture your throat. I have zero idea. I'm not going to make any guesses because I don't want to be inappropriate. But I, it does kind of remind me of, like, Mike Tyson. You remember Mike when Mike was like, I broke my back. And, yeah. he, and Jim Gray was like, what? huh? He's like, spinal. And you're like, huh? You're like, all right, Mike. He's like, Mike, say something. You're like, Mike, I'll take your diagnosis, fam. I'm not even going to argue that. Like, but, but you know, I, I, I have no idea, like, how you, how you uh, actually would break your throat or, or fracture your throat. But I do remember I was playing with the Minnesota Vikings, and I caught a hitch route. And we were playing against the Seattle Seahawks. I catch the ball. Ball comes from right. I catch the ball. I'm backing up like this, right? The cornerback's behind me. I'm trying to fight and push back for extra yards. I see this linebacker, and he's hauling ass. And I'm like, oh, man, he's about to hit me. But I'm young and dumb at this point. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to take this hit, and I'm going to eat this hit. And I'm going to get up. I'm going to be talking my cash, right? He comes, and he smacks me. And as he hits me, I kind of lower my head to take the shot. And the top of my helmet slams down on the bridge of my nose. And I didn't know. I just thought, like, my helmet uh, was uh, off center a little bit. So I picked my helmet up, straightened it up. I'm in the huddle. I'm looking down. Nobody sees me. I get back out the next play. I'm lining up against the cornerback. And as I look up, I feel like my nose is, like, snotty. So I'm like, oh, it's not cold in here. I'm in the Metro Dome. And, and uh, the cornerback looks at me. He's like, and he's in press coverage, and he starts backing up slowly. He's like, uh, and I was like, yeah, you better be scared. I'm nice like that. <laughs> backing up. And then he's like, um, you gotta uh, and I was like, oh no, I got a little snot. It's cool. What's up? You want the smoke or what? I'm about to route you up, and then I go and wipe again, and it's just all blood on my glove, and I'm like, oh snap, what's going on? So I go to the sideline, take my helmet off, and the trainer's like, he's like, sit down, Nate. I'm like, what's going on, man? And every player that's walking by is like, oh, whoa, right? And I'm like, what happened? What's going on? He's like, oh, you you broke your nose like pretty severely. Your helmet collapsed on the bridge of your nose, and it's almost on the other side of your face. And I'm like, oh, snap. Um, okay, so what, what's, what's going on? Like, I don't know what to do. And he's like, don't worry about it. So he took, like, I'm glad I got this here. He took, like, this this metal bar, right? And he's like, we're going to fix it. I'm like, oh, okay, at the wow. hospital after the game? He's like, no, 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 right now. So he takes this metal bar, and he shoves it up my nose, and then he takes his other hand, and he pushes the oh, other. Oh, man. He pops it, oh, right? God. and he oh. pushes, pushes oh. it, and now my nose is centered, and I'm just like, <sighs> I can barely kind of sniff in, but I can't sniff in. And I'm like, so what happens now? Do I go to the hospital after the game? I don't know. I never broke my nose before. They're like, nah, um, we're just going to put some stuff in it, and um, do you want to play? And I was like, well, can I break it again? That's my question. It's the dumbest question ever. I used, I used to say that after every injury. Um, so can I do it again? They're always like, no. So I'm like, can I break it again? He's like, it's highly unlikely that you'll get hit like that again. I was like, well, I'm <laughs> going back out there. 
And I went back out there, and that's my story of breaking my nose on the sideline. And I didn't know what it looked like until somebody showed me a picture, and it was gruesome. So I've heard about a bunch of injuries, and I've had a ton of them myself. Yo, man, we straight? We straight? <laughs> we good? Are, are we actually straight? <laughs> we good? Whether it's, uh, whether it's a broken throat, broken ribs, or his own broken nose, yes. Nate Burleson breaks it down Ooh! each and oh, every oh, week. Oh, nice. I tried. For the record, I kind of I kind of tweak my back lifting this chair before the segment, so okay. I feel you. Yes. I, I know about pain. <laughs> kind of tweak. I know Just about a kind pain. Of tweak. Yeah. Right? It was a forty-three year old kind of tweak. Some of you know <laughs> what I'm talking about. God bless, Nate. Have a great weekend. Take care. Appreciate you guys, man. There is Nate Burleson. I kidding. Messed it up. Okay. All right. Good. All right. I'm just trying uh, to I know. look remotely tough after that uh, nose was rearranged story that Nate just told. Yeah, you, did, you didn't do it, but I'll, I know uh, you remember this. Al Sorabi wrote in and said, Matt Henry, Vanier Cup, worst injury I've seen live. Do you remember the University of Manitoba Do I remember? Back? Do I re- yeah. that was I was in the stands watching. Second play of the game, Tim? It was First early. Play of the I game? don't remember. It was early. I don't remember it, exactly. Br- it, the entire, like the pregame, everyone's hype ground to a halt. Yeah. And Tim and Dwayne Ford, or, or, or I believe it was Dwayne, are just are yep. no, filling respectively as they look after this kid on the field. I vividly, I was there for that too. I vividly remember that. Yes. That's the that's the only yes. time I've ever been on a on a broadcast, and everyone saw it the first time and said, "We're not showing that again." It's become kind of like a rule. And back and, then, it wasn't a rule. Like when Joe Theismann did his thing, they showed it and they showed it and they showed it and they showed Dak it. Dak Prescott's and, wasn't a rule on CBS. Wasn't yeah. a rule on CBS. They missed that one completely. It's not the rule for We everybody. saw it once, and everyone, like and Dwayne and producer Glennie Mack, by the way, happy 50th birthday, Glennie Mack. Hey, shout out, Glennie Mack. Everyone just saw it. one like, all right, we're, we are not showing that again. Um, so shout out to Matt Henry, uh, who returned from that, too, unbelievably. All right, we have an unbelievably juicy rumor in the National Basketball Association. We'll pass it to you next right here on Tim and Sid, Sportsnet Radio and TV. D writes in to Tim and Sid. Nate Burleson plays with a broken nose. Sid calls in sick with the sniffles when he's working from his basement. Both entailed significant sacrifice. And let me tell you, I want to come out here and play with the team and show my determination. It just didn't happen right there. Just didn't, didn't, not, want to make the, that didn't want to make the trip from that couch to this seat. I just didn't want to do it that day. Sham shock, woge bomb coming in across the internet as we speak. We'll start with Sham Sharania. The Philadelphia 76ers have made Ben Simmons available in some packages with the Houston Rockets for James Harden. Sources tell the Athletic Stadium conversations aren't fluid as of now. Uh, also, Adrian Wojnarowski saying similar things. Reporting with Rabona Shelburne and the Houston Rockets are increasingly expanding trade discussions on James Harden beyond his preferred destinations of Brooklyn and Philadelphia. Also in story, while the Sixers have signaled a willingness to include all-star guard Ben Simmons in trade packages for Harden, those talks have come nowhere close to a deal, sources said. This is getting out there for a reason. I feel like we're getting real close. Yeah, for the record, anything Woj and Shams has, they have for a reason. Um, that's for damn sure. 
Yeah. I'm interested in who the other teams outside of Philly and Brooklyn are. And the can inevitable I, I, question with you and I, has Masai called? Can I just... Has Masai called? I don't think... Let me answer all of your questions. I don't think Masai has called. Uh, Sham said it as much to us a couple days ago when he came on the show. It doesn't look like the Toronto Raptors are interested in James Harden, nor do I think they should be interested in James Harden. The reason why uh, there are other preferred destinations outside of Brooklyn and Philadelphia is to bump up the package coming back in return, and this has always been a stare-down between Philadelphia and Houston, Daryl Morey and Raphael Stone. Morey used to work in Houston, and it was, are you going to include Ben Simmons? And up until this point, we heard no. Now that you hear yes, I think this is getting done. You think this is getting done? Wow, Tim. It's getting done. Like before the seat, like obviously we're talking guts yep. here, but before the season getting done, this is what your gut is telling you. My gut is telling me that we're going to see Ben Simmons and James Harden traded for each other. When you can, when you can put all the package together, it might change yeah. a little bit. But no, the I hear you though. The deal I will you. be, and I think honestly, I have thought all along it was just a matter of whether or not they would include Ben Simmons. And let me tell you something: if you're Ben Simmons and you hear this. Like this works for Houston too. This getting out. If you listen, I think you and I can both agree. If if Daryl Morey is willing to shed Ben Simmons, Brooklyn has no shot. They do not have a comparable offer. Yeah, they're, they're I, and, I, and I'm saying I don't like guys on the roster, but I don't see it. I don't see it. Well, I just Houston now goes back to Brooklyn and says, "What do you got?" Yeah, that's exactly what happens. That's exactly right? what happens. Tomorrow could be an interesting day on a couple of fronts, McAuliffe. Uh, it'll be an interesting night. Again, one team united with intact insurance. Uh, MarnerAssistFund.com is where Tim and I are going to be in about an hour with Mitch Marner and Doug Gilmore, Jerry D., Chase Claypool, and friends. We're going to raise a bunch of money and, and help out some families who need the help this holiday season. Online, 8 p.m. Eastern. Tim and I will be right there. Thanks for watching and listening. And remember, as we leave you, wash your hands, wash your hands, and wash your hands. Washing your hands. At least. Washing your hands. The minimum. Washing your hands. At least. And you should always do it.